Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Can you just like toss the whole box? Okay. Just in so case happy I caught that because if I did it, <laughs> it would have been really embarrassing. Alright, you want me to toss it back? <clears throat> yeah. Do you cry a lot during these? <laughs> yeah, I just keep a box of tissues in case I get teary eyed. <laughs> Imagine. It's okay to be emotional. It is. It's manly, isn't it? I think so. Show your emotions. My emotions? Anyone. Oh, you're, like in general, yeah. yeah. I believe so too. I think I do it a little too much. <laughs> Are yeah. you a crier? Yeah, and I kind of, I, it's so weird. I actually said this on the internet recently where I'll, if I'm crying in my car, I'll get real embarrassed and I'll try not to because I don't want people to see in and strangers to see me crying. But then I'll upload a vlog of me crying to the internet for like, millions of strangers to see it makes no sense but are they different tears are they tears by the way hello beautiful human <laughs> we are uh, very this is blessed. so appropriate to start an interview with me about how are the tears <laughs> gabby hannah's hanging out and yeah we're talking tears so youtube crying versus private car crying yeah what fuels youtube tears usually uh, I mean, the same stuff that fuels the private car tears, but I think the difference is if you're in the car and you don't want people to see you crying, it's because you are you can see the immediate mm-hmm. uh, interaction with that person. Whereas uh-huh. when you're going home and you're uploading it, there's such a huge barrier between yourself and the audience. So you almost forget that it's people seeing it. So I, I totally understand that, right? It's, it's the immediate eyes that are like physically yes. on you crying. Mm-hmm. So if you were on stage crying, you couldn't do that. I'm trying to think if I ever have. I don't think I've cried on stage yet. <laughs> when you're doing a video, are you talking to the camera like it's a person? It's, I think about that all the time because I, I'm like, am I talking to humans or am I talking to myself or am I talking to the actual camera? I don't really know because in my head, I know that people are watching it, but I don't know if when I'm doing it, I'm fully aware that I am speaking directly to that amount of people. But obviously in my head, I'm aware that that's what I'm doing, but it still feels a lot like talking to yourself. I understand that. Like your inner thoughts, essentially, when you're doing your videos, they range on a host of different topics, right? Some could be personal. Some could be funny and fluff. Yeah. Do you consider your YouTube videos like your inner thoughts or is your music more of your inner thoughts and your story? It's different. It's very different sides because when I'm coming out on YouTube, it's usually the stuff that I feel comfortable openly speaking about. But what I started doing is doing more storytelling through my music. So I think Perfect Day is the perfect example of that where I literally just sit and I tell you the story. There's no metaphors. There's not even really a hook or a song structure. It's this is what happened. I was here and then we went here and then I saw this and this is what happened. So I think that I'm kind of moving out of just telling stories on YouTube and showing my life to trying to do it a little bit more artistically. But I also put stuff into my music that I could never just come out and talk about on YouTube, like really personal things about, you know, like my childhood and my relationship with my family and my parents and stuff that I would never come out and talk about, but I can talk about the feelings and the way it's affected me through metaphors and imagery. Why is that off limits? Why will you cry on camera, (laughs) but then not show your boyfriend? (laughs) So with relationships, I try to keep it really private for a few reasons. One is because you never know who's in it for the right reason, especially if somebody is showing that they want to 
be in the entertainment industry in some capacity, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, is this person here for me? Yeah. Or are they here for the followers? So I know that if they stick around knowing I'm not going to tag you, then that's what makes it real. Um, and then also I... That sucks, by the way. What? No, like not knowing if people use you? Well, that's like the validation. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I don't tag you, then you're in it for the good stuff. Exactly. Right I mean, I'm sure you deal with that too. Oh, I'm just this massive fame monster with so many people wanting to leech onto my fame. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm sure people in Hollywood look at you and they're just like, oh, this person knows people or they could get me connections with this. I'm sure you deal with it on levels. I, I'm sure there has to be a bigger force driving people to ever make out with me. It's <laughs> it's it's obviously not a physical thing. There has to be a You're higher stupid. power. <laughs> <laughs> no, love yourself, man. Like, everyone make out with what, me. I think I drunkenly said to somebody at Pride <laughs> last weekend, I was making out with somebody stupidly, and they were beautiful. And Troy Savant, I'm going to name drop. Troy Savant uh-huh. was there, like, very. You made key. out with Troy Savant? No. <laughs> no. He wishes. <laughs> me too. Same, actually. Let's, let's, let's all get mine for that dream. <laughs> no, but he was, like, very low key and in a hat. And, and Troy had come up to me and, like, said hi or whatever. And, you know. And I think I drunkenly went to this guy who I was kissing. I was like, you're only making out with me because Troy Savant said hi to me. And he said, yes. Imagine he was like, true. Come back. Pucker up, baby. (laughs) There was not much response. Um, We haven't talked since. Anything goes. (laughs) I guess. Anyway, back to you, uh, your validation. So you you don't tag your your boyfriend. Are you still with him? We're really, really good friends. Okay, got Like, so best friends, yeah. But I do think that if it was more public and then we went through the breakup and the drama publicly, I think that maybe we wouldn't be friends. So that's the other big reason is I'm such an emotional being and when I'm going through something super personal, I don't want people asking me about it. So if I'm somebody who's showing my boyfriend all the time and, um, you know, posting pictures and stuff and then all of a sudden the pictures stop, the videos stop, now it's, like, fans asking where is he? Did you guys break up? And if I'm actually going through a breakup, the last thing I want to deal with is comments asking me about it. You know what I mean? I need to yeah. heal on my own time. Do, do you figure that out through trial and error and start like through the evolution of your relationship with the Internet? Mm-hmm. You know, I heard you refer to it as like the Internet. I said this on the Internet. So yeah, I do say that. That's funny. That's like <laughs> the being is the Internet. And for a long time now, you've built this relationship with the internet and with any relationship with anything, ebbs and flows, you learn certain things, mm-hmm. you learn the right way to approach things. So do you realize that putting yourself in a position where you make a relationship public online, do you learn that based on things you've seen around you or experiences from previous? I think that I I, I was single for the most beginning of my internet career but my first boyfriend that I had on the internet I think I had already just seen enough of other people doing these big public breakups that I knew that I didn't want anything to do with that and I'm also a huge committophobe (laughs) so the idea of putting something out on the internet and then solidifying it as this is my boyfriend in my head I don't know if I've ever really had a relationship where I'm like this is it we're going to be together for so long and maybe if I meet somebody that I feel that way about I'll feel more inclined to post them sooner, but so far, nobody's been that person. So I'm happy we never posted it. Well, I totally get it. Are do you committophobe? Do you want to commit to somebody though? It's so weird because I've just now recently realized that I am a committophobe because to me, I've always thought I've wanted a relationship. And then 
it was a friend who kind of pointed it out to me and then I looked back at my past relationships and I was like, damn, I really don't want a relationship because <laughs> I'll want somebody for so long and then the second we start getting serious, I'm like, oh, but what if this happens and I don't really like this and, you know, what if something better comes along? So I think that I'm probably a little bit of a self-sabotager as well. Oh, I totally understand what yeah. you're saying. Are we relating? Yeah, be, be, <laughs> in my head, it's always like I have these these visions of grandeur, you know what I mean? These mm-hmm. This great life together that I want and yeah. then the second, like, there's like the smallest toe on the path of getting there. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's I, scary. Yeah, I want to like just really whip out garlic and like grab crosses. And <laughs> are you dating vampires? Send them away. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Again, only the deathly pale are into me. <laughs> They're the only ones who can who are okay. They're like, okay, I'm pale. I eat flesh. I'll deal with that. That makes sense. Zach has enough flesh to go around. (laughs) Jesus. Um, (laughs) Aren't relationships good for views, though? (laughs) Yeah, they are. And you know what? I'm going to take that as a testament of, like, my authenticity on the internet. Because that's the one thing that I can really claim that I say I am is very real. And I don't do stuff to social climb. I'm not... Like, if I wanted to be so much bigger, I could. I could hang out with the people that would get me there and I could, you know, have these relationships online and do the tags and I would have a dog already because I know that gets views, but I just don't want that and I don't care. I value being with real people and real friends more than anything. So like that's you don't really see me hang out with YouTubers a lot. When mm-hmm. I do, it's off camera. Most of my friends are like yoga instructors and bartenders because that's like people who are I hate to say it, but a lot of people on YouTube aren't grounded anymore. And I'm not really saying it as an insult. Because, you know, they're kind of just living in a different world where it's it's okay because they've just kind of adapted to that. But for me, I just need to have very real relationships that I'm very secure in. And I know that they're here for the right reasons. And it's not this fake images thing. Is it wrong to say that you're playing a different game than other people who are doing the YouTube thing? What do you mean? I think you're playing a longer game. Maybe. I, I think your music is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to, like, why blow everything immediately? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why build a fan base off of something that's not authentic? And I think I'm actually in a transitional phase, too, where my channels aren't really growing in numbers, but I'm gaining new followers and subscribers every day, but I'm also losing. So I'm kind of in this transition phase where a lot of people followed me. I've been on the internet since 2013, and they're used to seeing me just make jokes and do story times and kind of just be erratic and eccentric on the internet and I'm not that person anymore so I'm losing some of that core fan base of people who just want to see me complain and like expose people on the internet but I'm gaining people who are like I love her music and her art and her book and her poetry and well, stuff like that is it wrong to say that this is actually you no it's very right or has this always been you I think that I was as authentic as I could be in the past. And I think that who you were seeing at the time is who I thought I was. But the reason I wasn't very authentic online is because I wasn't authentic in real life either. So I was just trying to figure out who I was. Like I was this very, you know, you look, I look back at these old videos. And I'm like, who is that? Because I'm on here and like, and then this bitch, I'm just like complaining and ranting on the internet. And that's who I was. I was a very unhappy, angry person. And that's who you were seeing. And it's entertaining as hell to watch somebody like tear somebody to shreds or try to bring down some company that pissed them off and whatever. But then as I started going to therapy a lot and then just kind of got in touch with 
myself and who I am, I realized, oh, I'm not this really angry, aggressive person. I'm actually like the most sensitive person in the world, which I was trying to hide by being very aggressive. Zach Sang Show. Hey, beautiful human. Sorry for the interruption, but Dan can't stop talking about his cats. I love cats so much. Dan Catman Zola. That's what they call me. Yeah, it is. Because you're obsessed with your cats. I really am. I love cats. I love everything about them. You love these animals deeper than anybody else I've ever met. Yeah, they get so happy they start purring and then they get their little heads and they rub it against your head and you scratch their butt and they stick the little booties in the air. Is there anything you hate about owning a cat? Changing the litter box? It's awful. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so dusty. That's where they go potty. Yeah. But that is also why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. You should try it. We can definitely get you some. There's no cloud of nasties when you scoop. It's 100% dust-free, free of heavy perfumes, and it helps you reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. Ooh, that'd be nice. Uh, your dreams are now coming true, Dan. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Okay, back to the convo. Zach Sang Show. Well, that's... That's my question. Were you that way because the internet told you to be that way because that's what got you views? It was or, probably or, a little bit of both. They or, probably fed into each other. Yeah, but the other reality is you were probably just an angsty teenager just trying yeah. to figure out life. Well, I was 22 when I started. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I had the mindset of an angsty teenager, yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah, but that's an evolution for anybody, right? Like, yeah. even that life at 22, that's a lot to adjust to and understand mm-hmm. and... Just like anything. like. But I think what happens with kind of everyone who finds any type of popularity on the internet is somebody actually said this to me, and I'm not saying that like I'm famous, so please don't take it that way, but um, they say that the the age that you find fame is the age that you stay at forever. Mm. And it makes sense because like at 22, I came on the internet being, again, this, you know, very hot-headed, aggressive, self-centered, narcissistic, angry person. And usually you grow out of that because real life makes you grow out of that because you go and get a real job and then you have these real relationships and you have these real friendships and you have falling outs and lessons and you have to learn how to be an adult. But because I was being rewarded so heavily, so rapidly for my bad behavior, my immature behavior, I held on to it longer than I should have. And I think you see that a lot with social media influencers, you know, some people get it when they're 15 and then you see them as a 20 year old and you're like, you're still acting like you're 15. Mm. Not everybody, obviously, but. So was it important for you to find fame from a different part of yourself? Because one part of yourself Mm. was being loud and obnoxious and entertaining and jokey, whatever it was, this part of you that stopped at 22. But as you grow up, you realize poetry, songwriting, all this other stuff. What, what, what weight do you put in the fact that, like, these things can be ingest, in, ingested by others? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's attached to your personality, mm-hmm. but... Well, I think that the writing and poetry stuff really has always been a part of me. I've always written poetry. Like, I have notebooks from when I was six, seven, eight years old writing my first songs and stuff like that. Um But it was something I kind of always suppressed because at first it's, you know, I'm in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. I'm... Gr- poor like I know I have to go get a job the idea of being a superstar or anything is so far out of my mind like oh I could be a musician so that was never even in my head and then once I gained a little bit of traction on the internet I was testing the water with other things but I knew that I always loved writing I've always loved music it just didn't feel like a possibility and then when it became a possibility I didn't want to be the YouTuber who thought they could sing because that's the whole thing is like mm-hmm. oh my god all these YouTubers putting out music but it it kind of all happens so naturally. And I feel like the universe 
genuinely speaks to me. Like it tells me this isn't what you're supposed to be doing anymore. Move on. And that's happened to me so many different times. How does it communicate with you? How does it talk to you? It punches me in the face with stuff. Like the last big one where I made the, the, transition I feel like I'm in now where I feel so detached from being a YouTuber was the whole meme. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the monster meme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was extremely painful. And like at first, you know, I did laugh it off, but then it became this thing where my face was now clickable because it was a meme. And now it's people putting out hate videos about me for literally everything I did was a hate video. So people are, you know, going to monster, which when I first put out monster, it was people loved it. Like it was doing well on the charts. All the comments were positive. Yeah. The likes to dislikes were amazing. But then it became a meme, and now it's like the dislikes to likes are slammed. People are saying that I shouldn't be in music and all this stuff. But it made me just... It it was so painful to get online because everything was hate. The, the positivity was so buried, and, like, Monster was such a personal song to me about my struggles with, like, my mother's mental illness and my mental illness and, like, growing up and stuff like that. So it was such a personal song. So to just watch people... Tear it apart. Tear it apart. It hurt. And then, you know, I open up my feed and it's the top 10 videos. Gabby Hanna must be stopped. Nobody likes Gabby Hanna. Everybody hates Uh. Gabby Hanna. Gabby Hanna is a scammer. Gabby Hanna is a bully. And I'm like, I literally can't open my phone. And at the time I was doing really well on YouTube. So all my time, my energy was like, my views are great right now. I'm making money. So I need to keep doing that. And I wasn't working on my music. So then it was like, okay, well, I can't do social media right now because it's too hard. So I'm going to write about it. And then I wrote Medicaid, which was a huge transition in my career and in my voice and in my style. And now that just made me, it was literally the universe saying like, you don't belong here anymore. This is not for you. I- Move on. Do You're supposed to do something different and more impactful to people. And now that's what I'm doing. So you take the energy and all of the doo-doo that is thrown at you courtesy of the internet mm-hmm. and you focus it into two-way mirror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How long does it take between the creation of that meme and all that crap hitting you and you sitting down to create Medicaid? Medicaid came out, I think, February 1st, and that was all happening at the very tail end of... Dude, I'm always in drama at Christmas time. Like, people just want to ruin my Christmas. Um, so I, I wrote Medicaid and recorded it within the first couple weeks of January, so it was pretty much immediate. And I, it actually came from a conversation I was having with a friend where we were talking about, like, if... Because I always go to therapy, and I've obviously medication comes up, and I'm always like, I don't feel like I'm chemically imbalanced because every time I'm very upset, it's because something horrible is happening to me. Like it's the entire internet is attacking me. So of course I'm depressed. Of course I'm anxious. And I don't think I should take medicine to make this go away. It's not daily. Yeah. But I think that some people do have that. And like I do have ebbs and flows, but I think it's because my life is so extreme that I feel things more extreme. So it's like, I'm always in a big scandal where millions of people hate me. So like I feel like I'm in a big scandal where millions of people hate me, not like, oh my God, my best friend at school's mad at me and now I'm super depressed, you know what I mean? Um, So then I just said to her, she was like, have you thought about medication? And I said, what, am I supposed to medicate a broken heart? Like, I'm just sad, I'm not like... The the lyric here is, can you medicate a broken heart, make your tragedies a work of art, Mm -hmm. medicate a broken heart, build your walls up just to rip them apart. It's a great line. Thank you. And that voice memo leads into it pretty much perfectly. Is that the exhausted one? Yes. Yeah. That's all, obviously. When you listen to the album, top to bottom, you should listen that way. Because they're connected. Yeah. yeah there, it's for sure a story. And I 
wanted to put the voice memos in there to kind of push the narrative. I love musical theater. I love Broadway. So I wanted it to feel like how when I listen to Hamilton, that track, like I can feel the whole story, even though I'm not watching it. Yeah. So I wanted to have that type of energy in my EP where it feels like a movie almost. No, and you feel it and you, you, you hear you. it. So a record like this, because medication isn't the option, creating a song like this, is it healing or revealing for you? It's so crazy. I actually made a post about this recently on my Patreon where I was like, it's so healing at first because I have all this negative energy and I'm like, I'm so sad. I want to create something. And then I get this excitement and energy and then I start creating and I'm hearing it back. And I'm like, this is great. I can't wait. I'm planning music videos. And then I'm super happy. And then the second it's done, like it's uploaded to the platforms. I can't work on it anymore. There's nothing else I can do. It's completely set in stone. It it's like it re-hits me because I almost forget immediately what I'm actually writing about. And then mm. I almost listen to it back again for the first time. Like Perfect Day is a great example of that because that one hits me in the gut. When I, As soon as I uploaded that and it was done with, I was like, oh, that happened and that hurt and that was so sad. And I was so heartbroken the day that it went up. But overall, it is still a very healing experience because I did something positive with something negative. So it's like, thank God that happened because people love that song. And I feel like new people are finding me from that. So thank you to that person who broke my heart. So with that song really takes a twist when you're in the shower and you see that message, right? Mm -hmm. So that actually happened. Yeah, that's why I wanted to put a true story in the title because I wanted people to know that this was not something that I created in my imagination. This is the type of Nicholas Sparks ass <laughs> that would only happen to me. <laughs> Wait, so somebody writes I love you in steam on the shower. It was on the mirror of the bathroom. So you know how when um, you write something in steam and then it disappears when the steam's gone and then it fogs up again and it reappears yes. because that's what happened. So basically there had been a girl there uh, the day before, two days before. She oh. wrote it in the steam. And then when we spent our day together, we took a shower and it reappeared. And at first I looked at it because it was, I thought he wrote it at first. That's why I was like, oh, I couldn't help but smile at that sweet message. And I looked at it and I was like, that's not his handwriting. That's very feminine that's a female's handwriting and then I looked closer and I was like did I write that like sometime when I was drunk or something and I was like that's not my handwriting oh my and then gosh. it just hit me like wow somebody else was in this bathroom was this a guy who you had been with that you wouldn't show his face yes one of them <laughs> for his own safety thank god he didn't show his face yeah, that's see, that's another thing, too, that why I don't like to show them, because then I feel like I can't really talk about my experiences openly. Like I did a pathological liar video that had, that blew up bigger than I thought it was going to. But I completely exposed this one kid that I was dating before. And I feel like I couldn't have done that legally or morally if people knew who he was. Can you explain that to me? You, you, you expose him as a pathological liar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was he lying about? everything dude it was crazy like, how'd you meet him where were you tinder. i'm oh. done with tinder people <laughs> you were on tinder swiping unless they want to sponsor me <laughs> in which case i'm here by the way i have tinder gold they don't sponsor me for hey you still use it oh yes hey <laughs> i have i might have over two thousand matches and i've met maybe like six of them what in person yeah. you've and how many years i've been on for a long time and you've only met six people yeah, probably. Maybe six to ten. Why? You just don't like pulling the trigger? Yeah, I get really nervous. Do they ever ask you and you say no? Oh, yeah, they ask all the time. And, and then oh. usually when it gets there, I say nothing. What? Oh, my God, you're me. Well, because, <laughs> well, because I get nervous. For exactly what you're probably about to describe, this situation, is what uh -huh. I'm trying to avoid. 
Just being like like meeting some crazies. Well, yeah, meeting crazy, meeting pathological yeah. liar, meeting somebody who is like gonna I don't know cut my face off and wear it as a mask. <laughs> that is a possibility that I have I haven't often considered, but you're right. That is actually a possibility. The sky's the limit on Tinder. The sky is the limit. Yeah, it is. It is alarmingly dangerous, but so is Uber. You know what? We can't live our life in fear. <laughs> Amen. But aren't you worried people are swiping on you for the wrong reasons, just like you were saying earlier? Yeah, that's why I don't really use it that much. Also, if the second I get a message, it's like, oh, I loved your vines. I'm like, okay. All right, bye. <laughs> we can't do that. But I, I also tried Raya, and that doesn't really do it for me. I don't know. It's just hard for me to... I'm so lazy and also pretty introverted. So the idea of getting ready to go meet a stranger that I may or may not have a good time with just feels like so much work. That sounds awful. That's what I'm saying. So, okay, you meet this liar on Tinder. How many (laughs) dates in do you realize that he's a liar? Oh, we dated for like six months or something. Oh my God, what kind of judgment of character are you oh you know what, what the heck i always try to tell myself i have a good judge of character but i clearly don't but i also six think, months i think that these people find me in really like desperate times broken boys about, broken girls mother- that is very true i think what happens too is uh well first of all the thing with pathological liars is they're they're pretty good at making you feel crazy so like the, it starts with little small things that don't seem like a, a big deal and then they explain away why they lied to about and you're like okay whatever that makes sense but then as it builds and builds you're just like oh you're out of your mind like he lied about what he did he lied about (sighs) like girls people he was texting but also just about like you know money or like he was unemployed for the first four years in LA and his parents were paying for his rent but he when I met him, he was like, oh, I'm a writer. I have this day job to help me while I, like, finish this book. And then I found out that he'd been writing this book. He said he'd been writing it for seven years, a series. So I'm like, oh, it's probably almost finished. And it turns out he had written, like, a chapter and a half in seven years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to me, I'm like, oh, my God, a writer. That's so cool. I love the fact that he supports himself with a day job because my last boyfriend before that was also unemployed and didn't even have a day job. Um, so I'm like, the fact that you have a day job is amazing you, to me. You already beat the last guy. Yeah, but his day job was like his end all be all, which you know, no shade, but like you told me you were like a writer. So I'm like, oh, where is it? <laughs> I'm a writer, you're a writer. <laughs> Did you end up reading his chapter? Yeah, and you know what? It wasn't bad. It was actually pretty like, ooh, what happens next? But he he'll never finish it because that's just the type of person he is. Who knows? Maybe he's the type of person who probably still stalks me and is listening to this like right now. And he's like, you know what? She said, I'm not going to finish it. So I'm going to show her. Hey, if this is what it takes, then this is what it takes. And hopefully it becomes the next freaking Hamlet Shakespeare Macbeth. It could be. Who knows? And I'll be happy to give him that inspiration because he gave me he gave me plenty of material, so. <laughs> so, when we break down this album, Two Way Mirror, mm-hmm. how many people is it about? It's, the f- Butterflies was actually written about two different boys. Great record, by the way. My favorite. Thank you so much. I love that one. It's just so unique and fun, and the producers, um, I love my production team. They're so good. Uh, they really took it to the next level. I actually have a video where it shows their whole process and my whole process, and it's so fun to watch them work. Is it the same? Because really, you wrote the album almost your entire self. It was you I wrote and pretty one, much by myself. But, one um, person. Uh, the production team is called Liar, and the producer also writes and then there's another writer there so a lot of times i'll come in with my song completely done and i'll say make a dope beat to this um but sometimes i'll just have a really good hook or i don't have a bridge or something and then or they'll tweak my melody a little bit like medicate they 
uh, tweaked the melody a tad on the chorus that took it to a whole new level. But, but that's great collaboration. A hundred percent. How did you find them? Just through a mutual friend who said, um, I have these two dope chicks. I really want you to work with them. I'd only worked with male production teams. And I was like, I'd love to see what it's like to work with female energy. And like no shade to men. I love all the men I've worked with too. But there's just something about working with women that is so special. And you can just be so vulnerable and sit and cry. And we can talk about things that I wouldn't necessarily talk about with straight men. (laughs) So it just kind of takes it to the next level. And they're very understanding and they want to create the track that I want to create and they'll do it until I'm happy as opposed to sometimes there can be some egos in the room when there's especially working with like very well-known producers again this is no shade to anybody I've worked with but um they know what they're doing so they're just like listen do what I'm saying but I'm not necessarily creating to create the most you know radio friendly big hit I just want to do something that makes me feel good is that a do you feel pressure in that, right? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, like, do you have a label? Do you do this all yourself? It's myself, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. It's, it's stressful, but cool. <laughs> but but that's exactly it, right? So yeah. when, you're necessarily, when you're not necessarily, like, going into a studio to create a radio hit, it might delay the money process, the hit process, maybe an out, maybe a label, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So do you feel pressure going in, knowing that, like, this song that you create, it's more for you as opposed to the billboard chart. I mean, the charts are cool and it means a lot when I get on them. So I, I do love the charts. Um, and, but usually when I'm putting out a song, I can kind of actually I'm low key psychic and I always guess the exact number it's going to hit on the charts, but I'm, psychic in my whole life so <laughs> so I always I always kind of know how it's going to perform before I put it out and I have a general vibe of like like I knew people were going to love perfect day like the people who heard it were going to love it but I knew that that song wasn't going to do crazy numbers if yeah. that makes sense it's a very niche song but butterflies I knew that would hit a little bit heavier so there's some pressure just because obviously when you're paying for everything yourself it's scary but I also know that like my people go so hard for me that even if it doesn't supersede them, that they'll be there to support and give me that feedback. And at the end of the day, I'm really proud of my art. So if I show it to somebody and they f*** with it and they're just like, do you swear on here? Yeah, you're fine. Cool. Yeah, if I show it to somebody or like a manager or a record label and they f*** with it, great. I'm so happy you f*** me and we're going to do stuff together. And if they don't like what I'm doing, then we weren't meant to work together. That's it. And But at the end of the day, you're doing it for you. Yeah. Because you know it's something you need to do. Yeah, and obviously I want to be successful in it too because I'd like to do it as my sole career, but I can't. Here's what, I actually just said this in the gym this morning. I have so many songs written that are bops, like just classic pop songs. They're very radio friendly. They would smash in the summer. So I just can't put them out. Why? They they just don't speak to me. Like they're literally- So sell them. I I think that's kind of the next venture. What are you going to do? I would like to like sell songs to artists that it would make sense for them to sing that type of song. Giddy up. Yeah. That's a huge do a business. Bit of both. Yeah. That's the, uh, Are they are they happy the songs? Right like do you not see yourself yeah. singing happy songs? <laughs> like they're pretty but, uh they're pretty happy like upbeat and they're really catchy but I I like to write lyrically. So they this rhymes but like I'm trying to think of a really corny line that I don't even want to say it because I want to sell it someday. But uh, there's just like sort of predictable lines that I know if people heard them they'd really love it but it doesn't feel authentic to me 
So I just want to make sure that my stuff's authentic to myself. But that's why you have to ask yourself the question. Why am I making music? Am I making music to become more famous, to have big songs at radio? Hopefully both. Or, <laughs> like am, I making, or am I making <laughs> songs that I that feel like me, that tell my story? Yeah. And sometimes they'll cross, you that's know? That's what we're hoping for. Because I, I know that I can't just put stuff out to make radio hits. It has to be authentic. But the, the goal is... Write stuff that's authentic to me that is also a radio hit. I think, like, Billie Eilish is doing oh, amazing things. But that's it. It does happen. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of artists, like uh, Ariana, I would even say Taylor Swift right yeah. now. Even that Katy Perry song, Never Really Over. Yeah. I think that people are craving that type of personal relationship with their artists again. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're moving into that. And I really, like, I loved Ariana's new stuff because it just showed this whole breakdown of who she was because I feel like she's always been sort of guarded as like I'm this pop star and this is my image and it was good like she's obviously an incredibly talented singer but then the second she started getting vulnerable I was like oh I really dig this you know what I mean yeah and you got to understand who she was yeah and that was such a beautiful thing and then like with Taylor too um 1989 is such an incredible album but then even though her reputation album didn't do as well I was like really vibing with it because I loved that she was just like I'm going to spill my tea. I'm going to talk my shit. This is it. And she did. Exactly. Proudly. (laughs) Yeah. Gave zero Fs. Zero. Butterflies. You said it was about two people. Mm Mm-hmm. Gave it our best shot, but we just missed the mark. Sad to say our love is gone. I could spend all day just picking you apart, but instead I'll write a song. Great set of lyrics there. Thank you. I vibe with that very hard. Thank you. Is that how you take a failed relationship now? Yeah, and oh, my ex actually said something to me once that I forgot I said to him. But before we met, because we actually met through a mutual friend on Facebook comments, which is such a strange way to <laughs> meet somebody. Ew. It's a long story. But uh, we started talking on Facebook, and then we ended up texting for like three months before we ever met. And I guess I made a joke to him one time where I said, oh, I need I need some new content. Can we date? And you can break my heart real quick so that I would have content. And then he <laughs> brought it up recently where he's like, that's haunted me since that day. And it came true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it is kind of the right way to take those hardships. Yeah. Share make them. your tragedies a work of art. Beautiful. <laughs> Just quote yourself. Yeah. Also. Always. <laughs> true narcissist. I'm a YouTuber. What do you want? <laughs> I have a question. Who's Devin and who's Tristan? Oh, Tristan is um, a YouTuber who I did a collab with once and he reacted to my Butterflies music video, but he couldn't get through it because he had just found out this girl was cheating on him with a guy named Devin. So in his reaction video, he kept stopping and being like, oh yeah, Devin. So it became like a meme within that little. (laughs) Okay. Because I saw a ton of the comments under that music video is all saying, Tristan, F you Devin. (laughs) I was like, is this who the song's written about? But I guess Uh, not. No, 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 no. That was, he said that the first time he heard Butterflies, because I send him my track sometimes because he's a vocal coach, and I say, like, do you think I could recut this, blah, 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 blah. So he said in it, the first time I listened to the song was with this girl. Mm. And And he was like, he was trying to pretend like he was reacting to it for the first time. And within the first 45 seconds, he was just like, I've heard this song 20 times. I can't pretend like I've never heard this. I just crushed the reaction video, yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. It's, it has nothing to do with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, the song's about, uh, I started dating, dating both guys, two guys at the same time. And like very casually, like they were both new and Whoa. like talking and dating. That like That's a confident move though, to date two guys at I've once. I've never felt like a, more of a player. 
<laughs> Kudos to you, my friend. No, but they were both being so crazy about it because I only dated both of them for like a month. So I'd known both of them for a month and they were both acting like it was this huge betrayal that I was talking to somebody else. And I was like... By the way, if a guy was to do this and you made a stink over it... Exactly. They'd be like, oh my God, she's just on me like a leech. I like, literally said that exact oh. same thing and both guys were like, nah, when I'm talking to one girl, I'm talking to one girl. And I'm like, Ugh. okay, first of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, like I've known you for a month. You thought we were exclusive. Neither one of you has said, be my girlfriend. And even if you did, I've known you for a month. Well, you got a date for a while. That should be your answer. Work harder. Work harder. Well, I still dated one of them for like a while and now we're still best friends. Actually, I'm best friends with like both of them. Wow. They hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> Watching them interact is so funny though. I invited them both to, um, well, it's actually a way longer story than that, but they both came to my birthday party and that was not Ooh. supposed to happen. And it was when everything was very fresh and uh, it was, <laughs> they called each other by the wrong name on purpose it was so fun to watch <laughs> what do they do are they in the youtube community these people um one of them's a pro baseball player and <gasps> one of what? them <laughs> Look this Hold one on. casual and one wow. of them is a uh musician okay so yes. not a pro baseball player yeah and he's not like really super well known but so he... clearly less successful <laughs> than the professional baseball player I mean, uh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'll say it. Don't worry. Okay, cool. <laughs> what, does this person actually play baseball? Yeah. I'm Googling things. I can't find anything. You keep it very secret, don't you? Wow. That's how I roll. Do they play for a team in the area? I'll never tell. Who won the battle, the baseball player or the musician? The musician. Wow. Oh. You obviously went for character over money. It was <laughs> baseball player is gonna have character. No, yeah. no, no. She went for the musician over the baseball player. Yeah, but uh, I will say the baseball player has a great personality and is actually very loyal and was very heartbroken by it. So, I can only imagine. Yeah. And when you say you're still best friends with the baseball player, do you mean like actual best friends or? Yeah. Well, he. Oh, we'll just be best friends. No, he like we FaceTime a lot. Like we talk a lot about our current life and relationships and oh. send each other pretty like personal emotional things because we were friends first too. Okay. So we were friends for a while and then uh, it kind of honestly the same thing happened with both people at the same time where we were friends and we started kind of becoming better friends at the same time and then we both started we all started becoming like interested in each other at the same time and then there just kind of came a point where they sort of found out about each other and I was like okay I gotta like pick one vibe but yeah we're all no hard feelings with anyone looking back do you feel like you made the right decision um I think that if it was meant to be with the other guy it would have been and we're so similar in so many ways and have such a great time together. But I think that if there was like this burning fire between us, then we would have like found each other again. And in all of our conversation as friends, then there would still be something there. But I don't think there is. Maybe for him. I don't know. <laughs> never say never. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't live here because he's a traveling. Pro a professional for, baseball player. That's what I'm saying. Like he's never here. What team? Will you stop it. <laughs> What region of the country does he play? Oh, God. I got to go and follow him on Instagram because now people are going to go find him. Search baseball right now. <laughs> um, was he a broken boy? No, he was not. Is that why you didn't like him? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, was the musician a broken boy? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I'm a broken girl because so, they make us feel put together. So Yeah, but do they? 
But, but in reality, you just have two broken pieces that don't fit together. Oh, you couldn't be speaking more truth right now. <laughs> that, that sounds like it really, yeah, no, no matter how much super glue you got. Yeah. If they're two broken pieces that aren't. You know what it is? It's one. that Gautier line where he says, like, you can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness. Mm. It's sort of like that where, like, when you, if, okay, so him and I, I don't want to give too much about his personal life away, but I've never met somebody before who could relate to me and my childhood and my life the way he could. So I had a, and still have a lot of habits where they come from a place of like, uh, like protection or like, like defenses, just yeah. things that where if you are a healthy individual and you acted that way towards someone, they'd be like, oh, she's like a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you meet somebody who understands exactly where that's coming from. So I see it in him and he sees it in me. Isn't that safety? It's hard to really say sometimes, but as a friendship, I think it's really actually healthy and beautiful. But as a relationship, I think that it was toxic. Because it was too much of the same? Yeah, I like think the so. Like wor your worst sides matched each other? It's like we we mirrored each other and at times brought out the best in each other, but sometimes brought out the worst in each other. And because we recognized our flaws in each other so much and were so forgiving of toxic behavior because of there you know, was no the way. ever you never evolved you never got better yeah but i think as friendship like we've both grown so much as people yeah. but when you're stuck in that relationship cycle and you're making excuses for each other or like forgiving each other for things that are kind of inexcusable it becomes kind of like like I said, toxic. So yeah. it was it was bad, and now it's great. <laughs> yeah. As a 26-year-old virgin, I'm trying to figure out as much about relationships as humanly Listen, possible. Listen, I can help you out. I got friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, well hook them up. Yeah, please. <laughs> I got so many. I'm a great. I'm great at making out. That's Are you actually a virgin? Yeah. Is this like well known? Do you talk about it often? Uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Because I've yes. never caught wind of that. Yes, he talks about it. <laughs> What, like publicly or like with you guys? No, no. all the time. He, always, he likes to throw it in there. Nobody actually cares enough to like no, register I when I go, I'm a virgin. Maybe no, people just expect it. it. Or maybe yeah. people think <laughs> it's like a joke. Yeah. No, I think mean people thing. can either expect it, think it's a joke, or the truth is nobody really watches our stuff for me. They watch for the conversation we're having with whoever. Oh, no, you're an icon. Everybody loves you. Well, you know, your lips to God's ears. <laughs> So. Okay, but I want to talk about your virginity. So <laughs> is it a personal choice or no. is it just it's never happened? It's just never happened. So you've tried. Well, I I've gotten. I think it could have happened. I've gotten like to second or third base. Do you think it could have happened? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about it, but I feel like I feel, maybe, maybe you're just scared. I well, feel like you could have it could have happened if you wanted type? to. I definitely don't like the way I look. And I think <gasps> that's. Been, I hate that. It, it's. It, I know that that's like the. the that's the driving force behind me not getting intimate with people. Because you're insecure about, like, being, like, completely oh. vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Being 100% yeah. naked. And I'll share anything and I'll talk about everything. And I have, yeah. like, a zero, like, zero lies rule. Honesty is the best policy and everything's out there. But when it comes to just being physically naked, that's what freaks me so out. So have you never been naked around somebody? Uh, Not 100% naked. What was your last ex? Um... Like, actual ex was probably a year ago. Oh, that's not that long ago. How long did you date? Uh, maybe, like, not a long time. Maybe two months, three months. But I hooked up with somebody 
hooked up with somebody at Pride. We know. We, we've heard. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I got to like second base maybe a month and a half ago. Are you dating people who are like in the best physical shape or something? Uh, everybody I've dated is in better physical shape than me. There hmm. hasn't been a single person that I've made out with that was in worse physical shape than me. Do you think that that might have something to do with it where you're comparing yourself too much? I just have this feeling that, like, I'm into this person and we're going to make out and they're going to, like, touch my body and just be so disappointed. And oh, they're going to love And they're going to love me for a thousand different reasons, mm-hmm. whether it's my personality, my great wit, my amazing conversational ability. Yeah. And then they're going to make out with me and grab my body and hate it. Oh, I just... Truth. And that's uh, what really ultimately cripples me. say, I feel like, to ever, to get that out of your brain, like, that's something you have to do on your own. Oh, mama, I got to work out. But it's just so... Well, no, it's that's not what I'm on at all. I mean, I think that people don't care nearly as much as you think they do. I know. And then the people who do are people that you don't want anywhere near your body in the first place. You're right. But I totally understand where you're coming from because I hated my body for so long. And, like, if a guy ever tried to touch my rolls, I'd be like, <gasps> and now somebody touches my rolls, I'm like, mm, you like that? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's for sure, like, a mental shift. But I think it probably just comes down to more so intimacy issues with you feeling too afraid to get close to people emotionally. Because once you got close to somebody emotionally, you wouldn't give a damn about your body. I agree. And there's been people... Like, there's been one person I was in a relationship with where I got very emotionally invested in them, and I start to care less and less and less. Yeah. The only person that's ever even gotten close to that. But my question to you is, the mental shift that happens when between you not embracing your roles and embracing your roles, mm-hmm. what happens? Is it the right person? Is it just understanding that this is who you are and... Can you say, ooh, yeah, those are my roles, and love yourself? I can now. It took a long time. I hated my body for so long, and then I went on this whole fitness journey. I posted a series about it, but I just finally had this mental shift where I was looking at my body and food as something that was supposed to look good, and I was looking at food as things that I had to restrict myself from to be skinny, And then as I started actually working out and feeling strong and confident about myself, like right now, I'm not in the best physical shape of my life. Like I have my body fat percentage is up probably five, six to 10% from where it was a couple months ago. Like my rolls right now are exploding out of my jeans. These are very (laughs) tight jeans, so you can't tell as much. You look hot. But like, thank you. But like a few months ago, I was like low key ripped, but I don't hate my body any more now than I did then because to me now I'm just sort of like why am I beating myself up when my body was given to me to do it with and I'm still doing with my body and then I look at like these statues of what Greek goddesses used to look like and what Greek gods used to look like and they always have this lower belly fat and they always have some you know weight on them so then I just it sounds so cliche but it's all these European and Western beauty ideals that you really have driven into your head that just aren't real. And at some point, the world decided that skinny and ripped was beautiful. But when did that happen? Exactly. And and do we really feel like that's beautiful? Does everybody? I don't like that's the thing. Is like I, I, I have this I, I have this feeling that everybody has this general idea of what beauty is. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fall into that category, or if you're not as attractive as the the other person at the bar, that like. 
It's just not going to add up. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's just not going to yeah. happen. Zach Sang Show. Hey, beautiful human, real quick. Sorry to interrupt. If you're considering going back to school, you got to ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits that you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of those questions, Arizona State University is the perfect school for you. ASU offers over 150 highly ranked degree programs, 100% online. You're going to earn the same degree as you would on a campus from wherever you are on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. If you want more information, text Zach to 35517. That is Zach to 35517. We'll put it right here. Learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 87% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU online degree programs, text Zach to 35517. That is Z-A-C-H to 35517. Back to our conversation. I actually had a friend who really helped shape my mental image with everything because um, she recently has been like exploring her sexuality and like bisexuality and she would point out women who'd be like oh that woman is so beautiful look at her body and I was always like because of the western standards that I had in my head I was like oh that's so weird that she would think she was beautiful like I would never look at her and say oh that's a beautiful woman and then the more I just spent time with her this has been like this was years ago but the more I spent time with her and she's pointing out people who aren't conventionally beautiful she'd be like oh my god look at her lips and I'd be like she does have sexy lips and then it made me realize that I had such a structured thing of of what it was yeah and she just opened my eyes so much to that and it I realized the more I started to love myself and accept myself and my flaws, which, you know, again, years of therapy, I started looking at other people who I wouldn't originally say are as a beautiful person. Now I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful, gorgeous human being. And I feel more like energy and what that person is about, you know? Yeah, I understand that. I, and yeah, you, you, you look at beauty differently. Yeah. So why can't you do that with yourself? Th- that's I look at beauty that way when it looks uh-huh. when it comes to other people. I find beauty in every different type of person there mm-hmm. is. I don't see anything beyond the person what sitting in front of me. What would make you happy? I mean, good question. That yeah, an amazing question. Physically make me happy? Both, because I think that they're very hand in hand. Because I think that when you're looking at your life, you have to have. I'm sure you've heard it before, like a pie and each slice has to be equal because you have to live this very balanced life for happiness. So if you're putting so much of your pie on your physical image and your body and now that pie is a big chunk of unhappiness, you're not going to be having a fun time. So like, Yeah, it takes everything yeah. away from Yeah, so if you're putting stuff. too much focus on that and it's taking too much, then you're not going to be happy. So like literally make a pie chart and be like, okay, my work is this much. My relationships are this much. My body and image and materialism or whatever it is, is this much and this much and this much and figure it out. And if your body and whatever is making you that unhappy, be like, okay, am I going to accept myself who I am like this way and recognize that you have a body that's like, I would never look at you and think anything. Like I saw you standing outside and I was, I, nothing would have ever crossed my mind to be like, oh, not a good body. If that helps at all. But you know, if, if there is something that makes you unhappy, like, doesn't make you unhappy enough that you're going to change something. And that's, I feel like I got to want to change it. And there's yeah. a want in me to wanting to get physically fit. What is it that, do I wanna, what's holding you back from that? Myself. But what? Like deep down, oh, what is there? I don't like putting in work at the gym. Like, <laughs> I feel I that. don't like going to the gym. I have a bad relationship with the gym going back to when I was in middle school. 
terrible, terrible relationship with any sort of like push up, weight oriented yeah. exercise. That's really it. And it's all. It's but all how can connected. you make the change if you don't get over that? You're a hundred percent right. So I either got to make the change and yeah. accept the gym or accept my body the way it is. But also, there's there's more options than going to a gym and doing stuff you hate. Yeah, I got like that. you can find something that you love. Like there's rock climbing, there's biking, there's going on long walks, there's hikes, there's swimming. There's I like group rowing. fitness. Row. Right. I'm gonna row. I was, I've been thinking about getting a row machine. It, do you in my like house. doing it on a sh- machine? Yes. Maybe you can just make that part of your day. That's what really helped me too is I started making it a part of my day mm-hmm. where I woke up no matter what my rest of my day schedule was, I had to go to the gym. And for me, I made it a like a YouTube commitment so I kind of had to do it. But what if you woke up every day at 8 a.m. or whatever it was and said, I'm going to watch my favorite show for 30 minutes. I'm going to put it on Netflix and I'm going to row for the whole episode. All day. That's what I got to do. Yeah. I'm going to row. I'm going to get a row machine today. And if not, then like accept your body and whatever. You look no, no, great. No. Mom, I got to get a row machine. Dad bods are in. People like a dad bod. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> I was kind of serious. I know where you're going with it, but like. <laughs> so you're saying I have a dad bod, Dan? No, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying like. You often hear people say, like, I'd rather have a guy with a dad bod than a muscular body. I actually am one of those people, though. I've never cared about muscles. Never. I just don't care. And I think a lot less people do than you think. Does the baseball player have muscles? He has a great body. (laughs) 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 And, like, the smoothest skin in the world. (laughs) And the musician? Yeah, he's a really great body too. Okay, but the thing is, like most most of my exes in the past have not. Yeah, but like my last two guys just happen to be like really sexy. <laughs> Why did you choose to get on Vine? Like you were working like a part of a pyramid scheme. Yeah, I like you've done your research a little bit. <laughs> um, I call it a pyramid scheme. They have some type of legal loophole that made it not that. What, what was it? Was. was it like Verve Energy Drink? Or- no, it was called um, Smarter Circle. Oh my god, I'm gonna get sued. Um, <laughs> so it was basically this. They would go into Sam's Clubs and I think Kroger's maybe, and they would have the people standing out there. They'd be like, "Excuse me, would you like to look at this product?" And it was like scrubs or like electronics or something, and you would sell and make a commission. But then you were also very highly encouraged to recruit others, and that's how you advance in the company. <laughs> that's a scheme. so you exactly. Yeah. But somehow legally, it's not because I wasn't purchasing the products, which I believe is the pyramid scheme part of it. Uh, but I was recruiting people to purchase. No, they weren't purchasing either. So that's why it's not technically a pyramid scheme, but it was because the whole thing was like recruit new people. And then when you recruit new people, we're going to s- promote you to go open your own branch and then you'll teach them how to recruit new people, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but it was the most toxic environment in the entire world. And I I got fired for sure, but it was one of those things where I was trying real hard to get <laughs> fired. You know what I mean? Because I'm not really great at quitting things and it felt like if I was quitting... I'd just be ma- be making a huge irresponsible life choice, so I just kind of pushed myself to the point of being fired. What do you learn about people from that job, though? Because I feel like that puts you in a lot of very weird, unique social situations. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how many just like little nuances you realize that everybody sort of does when a stranger approaches them. <laughs> but as far as like work environments, I don't know. It was such a weird. It's such a weird part of my life. Like we started every morning with this weird song about juice. Oh, sing it for us. I don't remember it. I remember it was like clapping. It was like, 
it was almost like a cheer and I can't remember how it went, but juice stood for like, oh God, I wish I could remember, but it was just, it was brainwashing. The whole thing was brainwashing and it was all about numbers and percentages. And if you weren't doing this number, then you were doing something incorrect. And which part of the system are you doing wrong? And it's like, dude, sometimes some people just aren't buying like it's three days after Christmas, people aren't they don't want buying your shit. Exactly, and like in, and they talk about this twenty percent rule where it's like you should be having a twenty percent turn, like the law of averages, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so, and this is actually how I got fired because I went on a tangent where there's like, well, according to the law of averages, your people are doing this wrong, so you need to figure out what they're doing wrong. And I was like, I'm not going to scold my employees for not selling on January thirtieth the way they were selling on December twenty second. And I said, according to your law of averages, we were selling 60% in December. So according to the law of averages, we shouldn't be selling 20% on January 2nd. Uh. We should be selling less because there's a 20% sales rate. So my people aren't doing anything wrong. I'm not going to ruin their self-esteem and be like, what part of the system aren't you following? Because I'm watching them and they're doing everything perfectly. So I got fired because I was like the (laughs) dissenting person who couldn't be brainwashed. So then is it after this that you get to Vine? I was already vining a bit. Okay. I think I had maybe 25,000 to 100,000. I think I had 100,000 followers when I got fired. Were people recognized? Were you at Sam's Club? Yeah. So towards the end, people were coming up to me in Sam's Club. I still have the pictures of like the very first person whoever approached me and was like, <laughs> can I have a picture? I follow him on Instagram. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> people great. were kind of there. And then as soon as I got fired, I said, oh. I'm a Viner now because everybody said, what are you doing with for your life now? And I said, Vine. And they said, that's not a thing. And I said, it will be, though. So give me a minute. And then it was. And look at you now. Thank God, right? Because so, what else would I be doing? Why did you initially go to Vine? Was it just because you heard of a new platform? Was Did Dude, you have a want to perform in any way? I hated Vine so much. I had the app for a couple days and I deleted it because I was like, this is the dumbest and then um, I'm so obsessed with Bo Burnham as a creator. Yeah. And I saw he was posting Vine. So I was like, I like Vine too now. So then I got on and I also had just graduated college. I had moved home and um, didn't have a lot going on. I don't really have friends in my hometown because we just are very different people. And I had been gone for so long and coming home, whatever. So I was just, I've always been an attention whore. And I've always <laughs> enjoyed, you know, being the funny girl. So yeah, I just found kind of comfort in meeting strangers on the internet and getting validation through likes. And I was had very low self-esteem at the time. So the idea of people liking my was just intoxicating. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. It's like friends when you had no friends. Yeah. And even more than that, it was like, I did a video on the psychology of YouTube with, it's so simple, like, you know, like Pavlov's dogs, they hear the bell, they salivate and it's like this Uh. reinforcement. But with Vine, the reward was so strong where if you hit popular page and you would just go like this, it was like, you're going up 10 followers. You just went up 100 followers. You just went up 3,000 followers, like all at once. So you get sucked into this thing where you're addicted to your phone and posting more and creating more. And it's great for success and very bad for mental health and friendships and actual being a human. So do you lose yourself throughout your Vine years or do you just figure out a new version of yourself? I was so lost. I was lost in the first place. I was already a very lost human being. (laughs) But when I got sucked into that world... And I see this happen with a lot of people. I don't think this is very unique to me, but when you don't have a ton of friends and you don't have a ton of money and your life is just kind of bleh, and then all of a sudden you have 100,000 followers in two weeks and people are validating you constantly. It's a drug. It's a drug. And you get very cocky, very arrogant. 
it's so easy to just kind of lose humility so quick when you get it that quickly. And I think Vine was the introduction to the world of these like little head like (laughs) kids where people looked at viners like and they kind of should have but it wasn't our fault like we were given so much so quickly look at what that generation birthed and we watched it from a very unique position back in new york during the radio show during these years Uh whether it was david dobrik or logan paul or Mm -hmm. nicholas mcgallis sean mendez sean mendez sean did the damn thing yeah it bred quite a class of new creators yeah that created in very different ways and i think you guys really rose to the challenge of long form or in Sean Mendez's case, like a more original art form as opposed mm-hmm. to just six second covers. You rose to the challenge in a beautiful way. The visibility of it was just, you know, we got so lucky with that. And I, I say that all the time. I'm very fully aware that there was such a massive luck factor in my success on the internet and now with my hopeful success in music because I was just kind of in the right place at the right time where there's so many people who are way funnier than me. And this isn't me like talking down to myself and trying to be like, I'm not even funny, but there's so many way more talented people out there. And I know that who just have the sense of like writing and music and comedy. And I was getting the success from it because I was on this platform that I was working very hard on and posting consistently. And I didn't have a real job. So I was just on it all day (laughs) and dedicating myself. But with Vine, people were so into it that if you hit the popular page once, like I said, you're gaining thousands and thousands and thousands. And then you hit the popular page again because you just gained thousands and thousands and thousands. And then before you know it, every single day, your visibility is just insane. So then when it comes to transferring to YouTube, it all came down to watch time because the way the, the algorithm was working at the time was if they saw a sudden influx of very quack, quick uh, views and subscribers, then they would push you to everybody out. Yeah. So because we came from a platform where we already had 3 million followers... You were doing whatever it took to catch people's yeah. attention because the more attention you caught, the more non-fans' eyes you'd hit. Yeah. So it just became like a cycle where YouTube was recognizing this is a brand new channel. How does it already have 500,000 views? Pushing it out to everybody. And from there, we just uh. kept snowballing. So again... Very lucky, right place, right time. Obviously, a lot of work ethic goes into it, and people have to like oh, you and your art in the first place. Dedication and strategy yeah. and understanding culture, being one step ahead of culture. It, yeah, I guess that's a part of it, too. It's I've a lot of discipline, of too. Yeah. Like, you gotta, like, in order to do that, like, you could have reached the popular page once and then, like, tapped out and be like, oh, I'm cool now. Yeah. That's probably addicting. It's very addicting. It, it would be very hard to tap out. It got to the point where, because I was posting every day, and if I didn't post every day, I, I the the pressure to come up with something was so insane that if I didn't, I would get a severe anxiety. Like I felt like I was going to completely fall off if I didn't post one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Twitter, Vine and Instagram all day. Do you, would you wow. encourage young kids to try and become social media stars today or no? The, the way you worded it, no. Like to try to become a social media star, I don't think that's healthy for anyone. Um unless your purpose of doing it is because you believe that you have this like talent or this message that isn't out there. If you're doing it just because you're like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. That's such a cool life. That's what we're all doing. It's first of all, not, not very likely. So I see a lot of people throwing a lot of stuff into it and like kind of foregoing college or not saying that everybody has to go to college, but 
people just not taking their education seriously or not pursuing other things. So there's like, whatever, I'll be a YouTuber. I'll be whatever. This is like the number one job that yeah. Generation Z thinks they're going to have. Yeah. And a lot of people have done it, which is like you look at people like Emma Chamberlain, who's this very young girl killing it. You look at people like Tana killing it. And you're just like, I can do that. And you can. But it's the same as like not pursuing any type of anything else because I want to be a famous singer, but then also not taking vocal lessons, not learning an instrument, not actually working on it. So the thing with YouTube is they look at it as, oh, I don't necessarily have to have a talent because everybody's just themselves on the internet, which I think is great. I love that. It's like reality TV, but I don't think you should aspire to this. It's also a very toxic, scary life. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, is being a successful YouTuber everything it seems to be on the outside? No, it's rough. Uh, I mean, there a lot of it's great, obviously. Like, everybody knows our life is dope. We live dope lives, and it's cool, and I'm so grateful for it. But the pressure, in it, the pressure of it is a lot, and almost every single person on the internet I know talks about how they suffer severe mental illness, depression, anxiety as a result of the internet. And I have a whole song about it um, that I really, like, kind of dig into it and talk about it. But it's, like, people glamorize depression and stuff where it's like I have a line where it's like people love that I hate myself and it's like when I'm happy and I'm doing well it feels like nobody really cares about me and if my life is falling apart and I'm crying and upset people want it and people just you know like when everybody was making fun of me on the internet for the monster meme these channels who get like barely a hundred thousand views are posting hate videos about me and getting five million views and then i put out medicaid and they put out a video saying this is actually a really beautiful song and and it has like two hundred thousand views on it so the internet is so negative and toxic and unless you really want to jump down that wormhole of I'm going to get involved in the drama. I'm going to start the controversies. And I've heard so many big YouTubers be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to start this, you know, scandal because I have a tour coming out or I have a product coming out. And if you can emotionally handle that, good for you. I'm too sensitive. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, society is attracted to bad news. It's why yes, local yeah. news leads with bad stories yes. and saves the happy stuff for the very, very end. I don't know how I feel about youtubers manufacturing drama like that yeah you know what's so funny is when i first started my youtube channel no other viners were on youtube once or at the time and then uh somebody suggested to me like why don't you start like a drama channel a gossip channel kind of like the tmz of youtube where you'll report on all the drama and i was like because i don't want to tear down my fellow creators i don't want to start drama with people. I want to have relationships and cultivate friendships with these people. I'm not going to air out their dirty laundry. That's like the mean girl coming in school and be like, did you hear this happen? Mm -hmm. And the thing with drama channels is I do understand the need for them, the desire for them because it it is your business. It's tabloids. Yeah. Yeah, And it, it, it kind of feeds into like celebrity and celebrity feeds into that. And it's the same, you know, these tabloids talking about celebrities. It's kind of the same with like drama channels talking about YouTubers, but I don't even know where I was going with this. (laughs) Oh, the need for it. Yeah. But the thing is, people are starting to cross the line where they don't understand the difference between having an opinion and bullying. Yeah. So they can like just completely tear somebody apart and be like, well, I can have my opinion. And it's like, take yourself out of the situation where you're just a YouTube channel making fun of another YouTube channel. And now imagine you're in high school and you're going around spreading somebody's business, starting rumors. You heard something from this person, so now you're going to tell it to this person. Talking about your friends, two friends. It's 
bullying. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I don't like it when the person who, in this case, in the scenario you just laid out, is being seen as the victim of bullying, and they're really the ones who started it all. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people yeah. manufacture this drama. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because yeah. it's going to bring them attention. They start yeah. things just to become a conversation. Yeah. Like, and I'm not referring to any sort of YouTube, anything in specific. I just know that people sit there and they come up with the most ridiculous things. Yeah. And then they execute I on mean, it. like, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Like, they're... Like, come on. That was manufactured, obviously. Mm-hmm. But also, there was some truth behind it. But... Clearly, they're brothers. They're talking about it and communicating about it. So there are examples like that. But then there are also examples where, like, somebody puts out a product and now, like, every channel is talking about how horrible the product is. Or, like, reviewing someone's music and everybody's talking about how bad the music is. And it's like, you are entitled to your opinion. I'm not trying to take that away from you. But also acknowledge the fact that your opinion can be hateful. And I actually got a lot of hate for saying that one time where I said opinions can be hate. So then, like, this was at the time where everybody was hating on me and everybody was just like, oh, my God, Gabby Hanna thinks that opinions are bullying. She doesn't want anybody to have an opinion. I said, no, I never said that. I think everybody's entitled to their opinion. But if your opinion is hateful, like, I can walk up, I can literally walk up to you and be like, I think you're fat. Yeah. It's just my opinion. (laughs) I'm not bullying That's you. True, I'm just yeah. giving you a. I think you're ugly. I think you're fat. I think you're stupid. It is your opinion, but it is <laughs> hateful. But you're not, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? I've been called a lot worse just this morning. So jokes on you. Oh no. <laughs> Dan abuses me every day. That's how oh, we. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not true at all. That, Zach abuses me every day. That's how we, we abuse s- each other. Kind of. Is there a love here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, deal. But, but would you leave YouTube and focus on music if you could? If you could make enough I would, money? I would never leave YouTube completely because that's where, first of all, I think that everybody's kind of moving to YouTube. Yes. Um, and I love making YouTube content, but I would, may I definitely am shifting more so into my YouTube content supporting my music. So it's like, I want to post more videos where I show you the writing process of my music. I want to take you on tour with me. I want to show you that stuff and like my art and stuff like that. But I also do enjoy vlogging with my friends too. So I love both. I just don't want to rely on YouTube to be my income. I want it to be like ancillary content. Have you ever thought about leaving that public lifestyle? Has there been a moment so rough throughout this journey that you really seriously For thought sure. about? I would say that there were three different times that I just didn't know if I could do it anymore was monster one of them yeah but it wasn't the fact that people were making fun of my singing because to me that part of it was genuinely like it's a meme it's funny like i am confident in my music and i genuinely take notes like i watch reaction videos all day long i'm not a professional singer i'm doing this on my own so i watch them all day long and i listen to people say what they do and don't like about my music and that's why this ep Everybody liked it for the most part. And that's also why you said Instagram kind of shaped it, right? I read online that you said something about Instagram helped you write um, a song. The video for Butterflies was originally supposed to be just a YouTube one-off where I people kept saying, we want to see your writing process. So I was like, all right, I'm going to write a song in studio, record it, and just kind of have a song to put out. But then the night before I was supposed to go into the session, and you see this kind of all unfold in the video I posted about it, I went into the session with the producers having this concept in mind of what we were doing, but the night before I was up till 6 a.m. writing Butterflies on accident. Like, it was literally placed in my head, like, you're going to write this song tomorrow. And then from there, I was like, I'm writing an EP. So it was just supposed to be a one-off, and then it became a project. Holy crap. Yeah. Back to two things to unpack here. Obviously, butterflies, but 
back to you learning how to sing via freaking watching vocal coaches on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you watch these reaction videos. That's where you like. That's your main source of feedback on your music. Well, my producers too. I definitely once my I've been meaning to actually go to a vocal coach because I do take my singing very seriously. But um, for the most part, the writer and producer um, are very intelligent vocally. Like they know yeah. a lot about the technicalities. One takes vocal lessons every week. The other is just an insane producer who have taught me pretty much everything I know. So all of my vocal growth has come from them and watching what people do and don't like about my voice. And then I just change it. So, okay, one of the times you wanted to leave the internet was around Monster. And yeah. it's the internet tearing apart. I mean, the lyrics of that record obviously mean so much to you. Mm -hmm. What are the other two moments? Um, there was something in, tw was it 2015 or 2016, where I got caught in this big scandal where this other YouTuber assaulted me and broke my phone. And I spoke out uh -huh. against it. And because he was more popular than me, um, he basically got, like, everybody just called me a liar. Was like, it FaZe? Who was no, it? No, no, it was Rice Gum. Oh. Yeah. And what's crazy about that situation is he admitted multiple times to assaulting me and breaking my phone. And he was on these interviews bragging about it. And <gasps> I was so clear to make sure, like, I articulated myself with, like, I literally said the words. I was like, I don't want anybody to think that, like, I'm saying he came and punched me in the face and blah, blah, blah. Like, he grabbed my wrist. He wrestled my phone from me. He pushed me down on the couch. He took my phone and he broke it. And then he went on to interviews and was literally saying verbatim, um, this girl's trying to act like I punched her in the face or something. When I literally said the words, I'm not trying to make it seem like he punched me in the face. So to me, watching the internet call me a liar for this situation that I was very honest about. And he, for the most part, corroborated the story. Like he was saying like, you know, she's like holding on pretty tight because it's her phone. She's not just going to give it up. So I really had to wrestle it from her. And then everybody's just like, she's lying. She's lying. She's lying. She wants attention. And the last thing I wanted in the world was, was that type of yeah. attention. I don't want that. So why did you end up opening up about it? Um, in the moment. Yeah. Why did you tell so the story? The way it happened was, um, he made a video about me maybe a year before that where he was just like, your nose is big. Your voice is annoying. Like, oh my God. And, like, and he was just like, a, he made a video hating on me for no reason. And then I responded to it and he never responded back, but he does like raps and diss tracks and like, I can actually rap and I can actually freestyle. So when I saw him in person, I every, everybody at the party was just like, yo, like ask him to battle right now because I would have mm -hmm. crushed him. I'll still do it today. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, right here. Um, right so <laughs> I took my phone and I went over to him and I was like, yo, like let's battle. And then he was just like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. It was like a joke. And then I posted that one. And then he, I posted, I was about to post another one where I was like, oh, what, you can't because your ghostwriter's not here? Oh. So, like, he was exposed to having a ghostwriter, and then he didn't like that. So he was like, F delete that right now. And I was like, no. Like, you literally posted two hate videos about me on the yeah, internet. Yeah, this is what you're going to do. For nothing. And I approach you in person and make a joke about you having a ghostwriter, and you're going to, like, tell me to delete it. So I just said no. And literally, he got up. Like, we were on the couch like this, and he got up, and he, like, wrestled me down and, like, <sighs> grabbed my phone from my hands. I had, like, scratch marks and, like, marks on my wrist. Um, and then baby. he took my phone, and he broke it. So then the next snap that I did, it was just sort of in the moment thing. I was like, hey, guys. So, like, rice gum just broke my phone. Like, the screen was shattered. Like, the picture was kind of foggy because there was a crack oh. through the screen. Um, and then he, like... PayPal'd me money for my broken phone and then he said he didn't break my phone publicly and then he admitted to breaking my phone after I showed that he already paid me for the phone and then like <laughs> at first he said he didn't touch me and then he said he snatched the phone out of my hand really quick and then it turned out I had to use both hands because it, like, it was just dumb. Is there ever, 
is there a part of you like in this situation where you think, wow, this poor kid, this kid's obviously an idiot, <laughs> but he became famous for whatever the f- he became famous for. which Making is, fun of children on the internet? Yeah, nothing, <laughs> right? So literally nothing. He, did he really ask for this fame in his life? Or yeah, was, I think he did. <laughs> Like, like, I'm just like, this guy's well, an idiot. Be- before that video, before he got really popular making fun of Musical.ly stars, because that's how he got popular, really? was making fun of kids on Musical.ly. Um, he was... He literally bullied kids. No, literally. But he was on the internet for like six years before that, trying to be a YouTuber. Uh, so, that's cute. So yeah, he was asking for like the fame. But anyway, back to what that was about. Because he's just that a bad a person. Time. I don't want to say he's a bad person. I think that... S- I think in those situations, it it comes down so much to psychology. Just like I was saying, I was very rewarded very heavily for being, you know, very narcissistic and self-centered. So for a while, I was very narcissistic and self-centered. For him, he was very rewarded for being an aggressive bully. So who's to say he's a bad person when the world is literally telling him, him, here's this money, here are these lights, here's the Super Bowl commercial for being a bully. Of course he's going to be a bully. Yeah. You know? So I don't I don't think he's a bad person. I just think that he has bad people around him. Well, not bad people around him, just people encouraging him to are be you, that. Are you cool today or do you have no interaction? We don't have any interaction. Okay. Um, That whole thing happened and, like, when people ask me about it, like, now, like, I'll talk about it, but we don't really... He, like, made fun of me in, like, 10 videos after that, too, where it was just like, okay, let is, it go. Is he still around? Do people watch him? Um, I'm not sh- sure. Probably. I'm not sure if he's still creating. I'm sure he is. Do you think he'll make fun of us now? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think he's past that. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen, like, diss tracks be a thing for a while. He's the artist formerly known as Rice Gun. <laughs> oh, Insulter good- of Musical.ly Stars. <laughs> Wait, I want to know what the third moment oh, okay. was that oh, made oh. you want to quit. Oh, wait, this that's long-winded, though. So what's your question first? Do you think YouTubers that were making diss tracks are a bad look for YouTubers who want to be real musicians? No, I think they're different lanes. Okay. I, I think they're know. funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't have anything against YouTubers just making music to make music. Like, a lot of people are like, if you're not a musician, don't make music. But I think if it's something that makes you happy and you have the means to do it, do it. Even if you're not a great singer, fine. Nobody's saying that they're going to be the billboard number one. But if you want to create something go ahead yeah if there's like a Who burning cares? passion within you and a desire to like even if create. there's not even if it's just something you feel like doing if you create videos for a living and you want one of those videos to be a music video do it who cares i don't know why people get so upset about it why not yeah you can't want. creatively box yourself in yeah not on youtube exactly <laughs> the home of anything <laughs> right yeah, Dan? like botox uh, did you see my video? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did Botox? I did. I've never had Botox before, but I wanted for a video to do a full face of Botox and filler to see what happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. I actually didn't hate it. What, what, Are you like, addicted now? I haven't gone back, but, like, if I started to see a lot of wrinkles again, like, I might go back and get a touch-up, but I haven't since. The only place I'd put Botox would be in my armpits to stop me from sweating. I know a lot of people that do that. <sighs> it's a great remedy. Yeah. I sweat everywhere, but you know what? Let it out. <laughs> Better out than in. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, What are you thinking? Are you good? Are you? I mean, there's a lot. Can you summarize the third one in in like a sentence? Sure. Yeah, sorry. We've probably been here for like 12 hours. I'm sorry. I talk so much. I thoroughly enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, (laughs) good. Before your answer, I want you to know that I applaud you and I I really appreciate and respect your album. It's very honest. It's very real. The fact that you wrote it on every record, a lot of the records you get sole credit on. Thank you. It's pretty freaking bonkers. And that's my favorite word. Like bonkers? I have merch that says bonkers on it. It's my favorite word. Oh. 
<laughs> I no, I really applaud your honesty and Thank the you. fact that you really showcase your true self and you you let it all out in these lyrics. And that really means a lot more than any compliment you could possibly give me. That means the world. So thank you. It's a beautiful album, and Two A Mirror totally deserves your ear. If you haven't listened to it already, do it because it's really great. And Goodbye for Now has sick production on it. Thank you. I sick. love that one. I feel like people sick. sleep on Goodbye for Now, but I really like that one. But it's also the last one I produce, so I've heard it the least. So maybe mm. that's why I like it so much, but I love Goodbye for Now. I love that vocal chop. Yeah, and that that, that production, the little the drops in there. You sick. should I'm going to send you later. It's an unlisted link for only my patrons. So I'm going to send it to you. Oh. I um do song transformation, so I show you from the first voice note to how I wrote it in my bathroom, to how I took it, to the first production, to the first mix. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, so I want to send you that one because that one sounded so incredibly different from the final one. And then when I went into the last session, I was just like, it needs a vocal chop. And then we changed everything. (laughs) Because it really chops it up. It does something. Well, those notes are just so long that I wanted to give it a little texture, but also I wanted it to sort of represent the idea of like the goodbye not really like being happening. forever yeah i yeah. get it i yeah. get it i felt it did you notice the album loops whoa whoa i know that it's all connected like no, it the sounds album like completely it's one loop seamlessly yeah yeah that, i felt that like the records flow into one another uh-huh That's yeah pretty so cool. like that last dial tone is the Connects start of the, the next one yeah so it's like is it ever never really over <laughs> you know i thought that because i was listening and then it, i was like i think Dude. i've heard this song already and i was like it just kept going and i didn't even realize it uh, I, that but that makes sense now <laughs> What is this Patreon? You got people who pay extra money to get some in- it's inside info? It's like exclusive content because I, uh, since I do fund myself, I just wanted a platform where I could put all the stuff that a lot of people don't really care about on my main channels where it's like the behind the scenes of this or like the uncut cool. performance shots for my music videos or the transformations from the songs from the voice note to the finished thing and like How many people pay like for this? Right now, I think there's about 900 on there. I've had it for about a month. Yeah, and I use the money exclusively to fund my music. I don't use it for anything else. It's just for, like, I want to make better music videos than I can right now. And, like, you just can't justify spending 100 grand on a music video unless you have some type of backing on it. So that's my form of a label. It's, like, my patrons themselves are, like, we want a dope music video. Do it. For the people, by the people. Yeah. The way a label should be. It's just so sick. By the way, do you know Gabby Hanna owns a but drives a red Toyota Corolla? Getting and that was a secret. I wasn't oh, going to reveal it yet, but it's fine. Oh my God. Oh my God. No, no, no we'll delete this because that's a whole video you need. Right? Because, we'll yeah. just beep the whole thing out. Okay. Yeah, so I just... Watch your video. For just for you guys, I uh, I love my Corolla, but I it's like falling... I'm a really bad driver. I don't take care of my car. It's falling apart. My business manager is making me get a new car. Um, because she's just like, first of all, we need you to spend money because I don't really because I like to buy music. Shit. Like we need you to spend money and also need a tax write off and also like you need you just need something else. <laughs> so they're she, making me buy a nice car. <laughs> she pulled up in this adorable Toyota Corolla. I've seen it in her videos adorable. and when I saw it, I was like, I can't believe you're still driving that. You definitely have money. I just like don't care about like I'm not even trying to sound like a some type of uh, look at me. I don't care about material. Like, this is my ex-boyfriend's T-shirt. I got these jeans from a shoot that uh, they had to style me, and I got to keep the clothes. These shoes were, like, a gift from a company. Like, I don't care. Like, how much money are you sitting on? You must be sitting on a boatload. I don't have an idea. I literally don't know. I don't look. They don't don't tell you? I tell them not to. The only thing I know is they literally legally have to tell me um, when when I'm paying taxes. So they have to say, this is what you're paying. We need permission to take this out of your account. So that's all I know. Um, otherwise I couldn't tell you how much is in my account and I don't want to know. 
Wow. That must be so nice. I like my life better this way than I just, I don't know. Maybe it comes from, I grew up poor, so I didn't have it. So I never learned to like nice things. And then once I did have it, I was always anxious about losing it because I never had it. And then I just kind of fell into this life of realizing I don't care about Cartier and I don't care about having nice cars. It's such a waste of money. I just don't care. It's such a yeah. waste of money, all is, that stuff. Is there any fear that it does all go away? Yeah, go away that's because... why I don't spend it. <laughs> <laughs> you sit on it. Yeah, like I buy the things that I need and like I could buy a wristful of Cartier or I could produce an album. Yeah. Which one am I going to do? Produce the album because hopefully that, one, it fulfills you, but then maybe it pays back. Yeah, and it's something that just I would rather have an experience than a thing because things go out of style things get lost stolen like who cares oh what it's a really life nice. i'll have you come for the uh when i have a housewarming party it would be my greatest honor you you if you don't show up no i will i don't get invited to any parties okay you'll be there then yeah, and Perfect. i'm telling you I, I don't think any of the youtube people like me why i just ha- I, I have this weird I, like i sit home and i, br- I brew i actually know? disagree because i remember when i first started putting out uh, this more recent music with like Medicaid and stuff. I literally had friends text me like, "You should see if you should get on the Zach Sang, Sang show." Oh. Like people like you a lot, actually. Especially my friend Ricky. He's a stan. Whoa! Yeah. Tell Ricky hello. Okay, well. Wait, Ricky Dylan? Uh huh. He oh. he loves you. Has I, he been here? No, Ricky Dylan's never come by. But oh. I I saw him at a Why Don't We concert. I love him. He's such a stan. <laughs> he stands everybody that stands us. Oh, that's nice of him. You yeah. feel me? Like uh, he's. Oh wait, Miley I think I've seen Cyrus. him comment on our. Definitely. Videos, yeah. It's Ariana funny because he's like a big YouTuber, but he's like the biggest fan girl. Like his Twitter is just a stan account, but he's my biggest stan too. He's so supportive. He's one of my only YouTube friends that like consistently posts about how much he loves, loves and respects my music. By the way, I want to say he tweeted, and then I saw your name, and I was like, oh my gosh, we do need to get Gabby in here. Wait, he tweeted? Yes, and I how saw I it fairly that? recently. But it had to have been within like the last two weeks that he tweeted about you. Or we did he have- tag me? Might oh wait, have. did he tweet at you and me or just about No, just me? about you. That's what I'm saying. He's a stan. Yeah, he He's really so does. Amazing. He cares. He does. I love Ricky Dillon. And He's he, perfect. His life is so fascinating and who he is is fascinating. He needs to come in here and hang out. Ricky Dillon, come on in. Literally, don't tease him. I I, I would You should have Ricky Dillon. It. He you will never meet a better energy and soul and heart than in that boy. I promise you that. That is quite the statement. I mean it. And with may, everything. Do any YouTubers not like you? Or do you feel that way? Uh, just that one Justin Bieber impersonator from a few years ago. Brad Sousa? No. Oh, the other one. Uh, I don't know Almighty his name. J. Bizzle. I have no idea who that yeah, is. Yeah, he told me it was coming for me once, and I was like, okay. We had, Why? <laughs> this kid I mean, was an amazing Justin Bieber impersonator. He, he looked very real at he, certain he had, times. He had gotten all of Justin Bieber's <laughs> tattoos in the exact same position that Justin had gotten That's them. so spook. And then TMZ had done an article because they saw this guy opening, popping a bottle of champagne on the roof of this building. And TMZ thought it was the actual Justin Bieber. And somehow we get him on the show yeah, I don't know. and have like this Dr. Phil moment with him. But um, instead of like, yeah, we obviously revealed who this kid was, which was crazy. And like his dad reached out and he had been milking this rich old woman to pay for his tattoos. You ready for this? Uh- like four or five days after he comes on the show, Justin Bieber calls a meeting with the kid. What yeah. was the meeting for? Dude, to connect and make sure that like he wasn't misrepresenting who he was and what he stood for. And Whoa. it was so weird, dude. That is really weird. Yeah. See, that's interesting because my approach with stalkers is like don't show them any attention. Not Justin Bieber. 
Yeah, that's so scary though. But, but to be fair, once your once your impersonator stalker guy gets on our show. Yeah, I don't know if I have an impersonator, but there's there's stalkers. Do you have them? You feel like you deal with that Dude, on the reg? I feel like I can't talk about it too much because like if he's listening. Active investigation. Like actually very in the literal sense stalking me to the point where like I have to have people with me who walk up to him and say, "Go away." Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Like grocery store type things? Like knows my address. Like, followed me home and found my address. Oh, my gosh. Like, sends me gifts to there. Oh, my gosh. Um, waits outside for me for, like, I've never waited for over an hour to see if, no, one time I waited for an hour and a half to see if he would go away, and he didn't. So, like, he's lurking. Whoa. Yeah, but not dangerous, I don't think. Just, like. Just weird. Just Big fan. Uncomfy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we need one of those. We got to get ourselves a stalker. No way. That's saying no. I, want that. I mean, it is like kind of flattering. Yeah. Like, like the uh, day he starts stalking someone else, I'm going to be a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, this guy is dedicating his whole day to me. Well, oh. once I, when I, <laughs> I'm giving away too much about who this is, but when I got a boyfriend, he somehow like, our one crossover fan between me and my boyfriend at the time was the guy was him so he knew who he was from like one post that i posted there i didn't even tag him and then he like changed his profile picture to his profile picture and like did all this stuff but then also started like stunning one of my friends instead because it was like oh i don't have a chance with her now so, so i'm gonna move started, on like, yeah but then once me and this kid broke up then he started like doing me again he really thinks he's gonna end up with you Wow. I think so. Oh, he's watching this right now. <laughs> Sorry, bro. No chance. Give up. It's weird. <laughs> On that note, get me hand, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. This is so great. This is a good time. Thanks for hanging out with us. How long was it? Eight hours? Yeah. <laughs> 17. <laughs> Hour 30. <laughs> Damn. Well, th sorry about that. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.